0: Hello and welcome to episode 45
1: of Books by Old Dead Guys. I'm David. I'm Scott. You know, it's hard to believe for me that we've done 45 of these things.
0: We've done 45 of these, Scott. Wow. I, it's hard to believe that we started this like nine months ago. Dude, stop it. Really? I mean, we started in like September, right? Wow. I don't know. I think I, it was, I, yeah,
1: I think it was like September. I generally have no concept of time.
0: So. Yeah, we've we've been at this a minute now. Uh, so episode forty-five. So, Scott, you want to uh,
1: you want to summarize, get us up to speed on where we are? Sure. We have been reading one particular chapter in Charles Spurgeon's book, uh, "Lectures to My Students." The, the chapter entitled "The Minister's Fainting Fits," and in short, it is uh, it is Spurgeon's word of counsel, if you will, uh, to many of us in ministry who have experienced periods of sorrow or depression, uh, in, in Spurgeon's day, they would have called it melancholy, which I think is a great word. It's just kind of lost to our, to our day, but he walked through the causes of it. He's, he's walked now through the times where we're most prone to it, and we are almost to the end. Of the times when we will be most prone to melancholy, and I believe we're on the fifth one now, mm. uh, which will begin if you're looking in the book with the phrase "When troubles multiply." And most of the editions of lectures to my students put those words in italics. Now I don't know, does yours have it in italics? Yep, it yeah, it sure does. So, so you're looking for italicized words that begin a paragraph, and you'll be right with us. So, all right, David, do you want to read for us, man? I sure do. Excellent. Thank you,
0: brother. When troubles multiply and discouragements follow each other in long succession, like Job's messengers then too amid the perturbation of soul occasioned by evil tidings, despondency despoils the heart of all its peace. Constant dropping wears away stones, and the bravest minds feel the fret of repeated afflictions. If a scanty cupboard is rendered a severe trial by the sickness of a wife or the loss of a child, and if ungenerous remarks of hearers are followed by the opposition of deacons and the coolness of members, then, like Jacob, we are apt to cry, All these things are against me. Hmm. When David returned to Ziklag and found the city burned, goods stolen, wives carried off, and his troops ready to stone him, we read... He encouraged himself in his God, and well was it for him that he could do so, for he would then have fainted if he had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Accumulated distresses increase each other's weight. They play into each other's hands and, like the bands of robbers, ruthlessly destroy our comfort. Wave upon wave is severe work for the strongest swimmer. The place where two seas meet strains the most seaworthy keel. If there were a regulated pause between the bufferings of adversity, the spirit would stand prepared. But when they come suddenly and heavily, like the battering of great hailstones, the pilgrim may well be amazed." The last ounce breaks the camel's back. And when that last ounce is laid upon us, what wonder
1: if we for a while are ready to give up the ghost? Man, this is a helpful section right here, this little part, because ultimately what Spurgeon's saying is sometimes it's not just one thing. Actually, I would say he'd probably say, he's probably saying that most of the time, It's not just one thing, nor is it just one occasion, right? And so, so I can distinctly remember for me as I'm moving out of this time of just deep, deep sorrow and depression. Uh, I've, I've said this before that, that there's this one thing that happened and it really wasn't a significant thing. Like in the grand scheme of significant things in ministry, that this particular Challenge that I was dealing with was a small one, yeah. And in a normal circumstance, it would have just run right off my back, like you know, like water off a duck's back, mm-hmm. you know. And I wouldn't have thought anything else about it. But, but because there had been such an accumulated series, it was a challenging year for David and I as we did ministry this year at our church. And because it was just this accumulated series of things that had built and built and built and built and built, it's almost like you feel like the best way I can describe it is like you've walked the plank of the ship. <laughs> and you're standing out on the very edge of the plank, and half of your foot is off the board, and you're just kind of there with your arms outstretched, and you're trying really hard to keep your balance, and then someone just very gently comes along and just touches you right in the middle of your back and pushes just ever so gently, mm-hmm. and off you go. Yes. And that is what I think he's he's getting at here, is that there's a this this accumulated stress of ministry. Ministry would not be a hard job if you could ever only deal with one thing at a time, mm. but you, if if, if, your, if your idea of ministry is to only deal with one thing or one person or one project at a time, then you are very quickly either going to neglect your responsibilities, you're going to burn out, you're going to go into depression, like those three, because it's there's, there's constantly always more than one crisis. Mm. There's always more than one problem. There's always more than one family that needs you. Now, as we said last week, you absolutely need to prioritize those things. But it's in the realizing that there is so much and that there's so many bad things that happen here. You know, there's a, it's a cultural myth. It's, it's not true. And the Lord certainly doesn't work this way. But you'll hear people when one person dies... I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say death, I know, death I know comes exact, in
0: threes. Know exactly what you were gonna say before yeah. you even said it. Death comes in threes.
1: I mean, who even made that? who even made that up? Yeah. You know? And the answer is, you know, but there's a you know, the reality is in any of those old wives tales, there's a measure of truth and fear mm. wrapped up in them. And what you what you look for in those axioms is to figure out what is what is the cultural truth hidden in that thing. That matters, and the reality of the fact is, what some wise person said many years ago, and probably wrongly, you know, said this is the outcome of it. What they came to the conclusion of was that it's never just one thing, hmm. right? It's never just one problem. It's never just one hardship. It, there's there's always multiples, and so for Spurgeon in this section, he says, you know, there could be any number of things that are that are on us that are pushing us at any given time. And sometimes you can't answer the question, "Why are you depressed? Why are you sorrowful? What is going on?" And it's not because you don't know; it's because the person that you're talking to does not have time to go through the number of things that are going on in your mind, and your heart, and in your soul in that given moment. Yeah, yeah. And I think
0: also it's not just it's not just the number of things that are happening at the same time, but the things that come one after another. After yeah, another. Absolutely. After another. But you know, I, I see you know, what what Spurgeon is talking about here of just the the succession of it. Of you you just got done with this one thing and now here's this here's new trouble. Yep. And and you just get done with that and here's the next one. And yep. it just get done with that and here's the next one. And you know, by the time you get to the end of a, a string of those, man, they they're the damage, the, the toll that they've taken is really greater than the sum of their parts. Right. Right. Like, right. Then, like seeing them strung together over a, over Absolutely. a short period of time, really, you, know, you get to this point and I, I love, you know, I love the illustration that he gives yeah. of it's the last ounce that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. You know, that after all these things are strung together, it just takes, it, it doesn't take much
1: at the end of that cycle To get you broken. All of us have a limit. And all of us have a breaking point. And I'm convinced that very, very few of us know what that is and where that is. Yes. And these times of sorrow, honestly, in a lot of ways, for me personally, reveal to me where those limits are. Which is really helpful. I mean, we're finishing up um, this, I guess it would be last week relative to this podcast. Last week just finished the sermon series that we did on depression and anxiety. And I'll say in the Psalm 139 sermon, I've said it multiple times. We as men, especially do not like to admit, embrace, or even think about our weaknesses Mm -hmm. and nothing reveals those to you more than being in a, a period of sorrow. And yet Christ could say, Paul could say that, that, you know, and our weaknesses, his strength is made perfect, right? And so sometimes we have to realize our limits so that we will just stop and go, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm, I have got to put things down for a minute. I've got to take a step back. there have been a lot of positive changes in, in my life, and, and I think that's what was supposed to. There have been a lot of things that are supposed to come out of this season for me, but one of them has been realizing, you know, I'm a person with limits. And those limits change the older you get. You know, they, 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 there's a, there's a long season of life where they increase. Like it feels like through your twenties and into your thirties, your capacities and your abilities are constantly on the upswing for most of my forties. I felt that. And then there's this point where you kind of crest the wave and you're still looking to be able to increase in all these things. And now all of a sudden you're you're going, wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over the, to, to, to use the phrase, I'm over the hill right Mm. now. It's now it's, it's on the way down, but it's not. And that's not a bad thing because now what you lack in energy, you should have gained in wisdom. Mm. Wisdom is not just knowing how to apply things in this life for others, right? It's knowing, it's knowing yourself. It's knowing how God has made you and what your strengths are and what your limits are. Mm and And I think that's one of the great benefits that comes out of having a time where you're just where you're just in sorrow is that if you don't if you don't go through those times you'll you'll realize your limits in other ways mm. so but but for me, that was how it was so it was, yeah, it was helpful
0: mm. all
1: well, right Scott we have, what before
0: we, before we move on, if you could go back and say something to yourself kind of in the middle of that mm. string mm. of things. What would
1: you say? Oh, boy. That is a great question. If I could go back and say something to myself, you know, for me, that string of things was a year long. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It would be different things at different points. Um, You know, some of the mistakes that I made, uh, one is mistakenly uh, assuming it was about this time... Last year, uh, that we had two major crises, right? One right on top of the other. And I can distinctly remember looking at someone and saying, I can do this because I think the end is near. Brother, it was 11 more months Mm. of difficulties. Not just those two difficulties. And from those two difficulties came all sorts of other problems, right? But it wasn't just those two things. There were a number of things happening in the life of the church and in the people around us and in the... There were just so many things going on that I didn't even know about and was not even prepared for yet. And what I did was mistakenly assume that I saw where the end was. Mm. I think that's a fundamental error that we make. It's, there, there's a difference between hoping for an end, for being prepared for the fact that there will be an end. There will be Jesus will return, you know, and assuming that you know when that is.
0: Mm.
1: And that was a that sank me further in, mm. if you will. Right? Because now not only am I are you dealing with all of the difficulties in reality, you're also dealing with the rea- the difficulties of shattered expectations. Mm. That I think, okay, we're gonna to get to this point and things are gonna be back to the way they were. You know, we're gonna get this thing and this thing done and now things are gonna be mobile. So I think that was man, that was one that I definitely not even just a oh hold on. You don't even know what's coming yet, but just a just a simple question of who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. That you know when this is actually going to end. Like, you don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't
1: know. And it's our, when I say agnosticism, you know what I mean. It's our lack of knowing that humbles us. And the humility is the necessary component of the thing. Like, that's what you're supposed to get out of it. And so I think I would have started there. Just of a, man, you do not get to pick the times and dates and seasons. And you you know that, right? It's, I probably still wouldn't have listened to me because I'm generally hard-headed that way. but. That's what I would, I would say that, first off. Second of all, I would have said, hmm, there's a bunch. We don't know we have time. Uh, but, but I think the second big thing would have been um, to look deeply into my own soul and look at the places in which I really was more concerned about the thoughts, feelings, and opinions of other people than I was about what God thought. Mm. And how that may not have caused me to be where I was, but it certainly didn't help. And uh, and to see how fear of man just roots itself in you, and you don't realize it, you don't see it, you're not even prepared for it, uh, was, and still is, a very high-opening experience. I think those are the two things.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we could probably do next section. Yeah, I believe so. Um, because let's, the last, the next section is really a kind of a catch-all.
0: Well, let's uh, let's dive in. Okay, this evil will also come upon us. We know not why, and then it is all the more difficult to drive it away. Causeless depression is not to be reasoned with. Nor can David's harp charm it away by sweet discoursings. As well fight with the mists as with this shapeless, indefinable, yet all-beclouding hopelessness. One affords himself no pity when in this case. Because it seems so unreasonable Mm -hmm. and even sinful to be troubled without manifest cause and yet troubled the man is even in the very depths of his spirit. If those who laugh at such melancholy did but feel the grief of it for one hour, their laughter would be sobered into compassion. Resolution might perhaps shake it off, but where are we to find the resolution when the whole man is unstrung? The physician and the divine may unite their skill in such cases and both find their hands full and more than full. The iron bolt which so mysteriously fastens the door of hope and holds our spirits in gloomy prison needs a heavenly hand to push it back. And when that hand is seen, we cry with the apostle, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. It is the God of all consolation who can, with sweet, Oblivious. oblivious antidote, cleanse our poor bosoms of that perilous stuff which weighs upon the heart, Simon sinks till Jesus takes him by the hand. The devil within rends and tears the poor child till the word of authority commands him to come out of him. When we are ridden with horrible fears and weighed down with an intolerable incubus, we need but the sun of righteousness to rise and the evils generated of our darkness are driven away. But nothing short of this will chase away the nightmare of the soul. Timothy Rogers, the author of a treatise on melancholy, and Simon Brown, the writer of some remarkably sweet hymns, proved in their own cases how unavailing is the help of man if the Lord withdraw the light from the soul. If it be inquired why the valley of the shadow of death must so often be traversed by the servants of King Jesus, the answer is not far to find. All this is promotive of the Lord's mode of working, which is summed up in these words, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Instruments shall be used, but their intrinsic weakness shall be clearly manifested. There shall be no division of the glory, no diminishing the honor due the great worker. The man shall be emptied of self and then filled with the Holy Ghost. In his own apprehension, he shall be like a sear leaf driven of the tempest and then shall be strengthened into a brazen wall against the enemies of truth. To hide pride from the worker is the great difficulty. Uninterrupted success and unfading joy in it would be more than our weak heads could bear. (laughs) Our wine must needs be mixed with water lest it turn our brains. My witness is that those who are honored of their Lord in public have usually to endure a secret chastening or to carry a peculiar cross lest by any means they exalt themselves and fall into the snare of the devil. How constantly the Lord calls Ezekiel son of man. Amid his soarings into the superlative splendors, just when the eye undimmed, he is strengthened to gaze into the excellent glory. The word son of man falls on his ears, sobering the heart which else might have been intoxicated with the honor conferred upon it. Such humbling but salutary messages are depressions whisper in our ears. They tell us in a manner not to be mistaken that we are but men, frail, feeble, apt to faint.
1: Yeah, man, that's good. I can remember exactly where I was sitting when I read this just a few weeks ago. And, you know, the two things for me that were the most encouraging out of this whole little part right here number one is. I may mean, you may not be able to identify a reason why mm. right yes you know that was it, it's sometimes sometimes you're just down like I feel like we I feel like we we sometimes can pressure people into having to try to identify a reason for their emotions but emotions are generally not reasonable things <laughs> and we, we make a fundamental error in understanding humans mm. when we presume that emotions are reasonable things mm-hmm they're just not i mean yeah. you know why are you afraid i don't know why you know really why you know that this why are a, you anxious why are you anxious why are you depressed like you know sometimes there are definitely good reasons for that and spurgeon listed all of those mm-hmm. but then he goes you know what sometimes man you just are you just are and and i love how he said you know the short version is he said sometimes you know he said it would sound great to just you know hope in god and Pull yourself up, except for the fact that you're so spent
0: uh-huh. that
1: you can't. It's like this vicious, horrible cycle, and 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 I don't know, and I think he would agree. And I don't even know that it's so much that you can't. It's that you can't do it at the pace that you would like, and you can't. You certainly can't do it at the pace that others would like. Mm. But it's a step by step sort of thing. Like I can say truly here, sitting here that I am nowhere near the same place that I was in May. Mm. But it didn't happen in a day. It did happen in a week. It's it's a couple of months. And, you know, who knows where that is relative to where I'm supposed to be? Who knows where I'm supposed to be? But I do know I'm not who I used to be, right? And that that step-by-step step and day-by-day, day, the, the purpose of this, and that serves kind of the, as we are thinking about the last little part we read, the whole purpose of this ultimately is to, to teach us to depend on God, mm. you know, to teach us to truly, all of us as Christians will have various different sorts of sorrows and sufferings, the purpose of which is to teach us how to depend on God. we don't all have the same ones, but some of us have these emotional sufferings and sorrows, these, these times where we just drop down into the pit. And so those. That last little part I wrote it out on my on the side of my call on the column next to the words here when he says, Such humbling but salutary messages in our depression whisper in our ears. They tell us in a manner not to be mistaken, that we are but men, frail, feeble, and apt to faint. That's who we are. We are but dust. Mm. As the psalmist says it. He knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. The problem is not that. He doesn't know our frame. The problem is most often that we don't know our frame. Mm-hmm. And he has to remind us both of our frame and of our place. And that's what this serves. So we have one more section. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be able to uh, to finish this up and talk about what we're going to do before our next book together. Indeed. Indeed. So I am excited. Well, David, this has been great. Any, any final thoughts?
0: Man, just, I mean, just to echo... What Spurgeon said, you know, that these, you know, I, I love his picture of, you know, pulling that son of man out of Ezekiel of just, yeah. man, you, you you think about the visions that Ezekiel had of just seeing the wonders and the glories of the Lord. And you think about the, that most, that a good portion of, of the speeches that God gives to Ezekiel start with. Son, Son of, of man. man, yeah start yeah, with yeah. this this reminder of his own humanity mm-hmm. of his own weakness his own frailness that he you know that as he's seeing these heavenly realities he, he's being reminded that that his fallen frame doesn't belong here that he's being reminded that uh, apart from apart from me revealing these things to you, you would not be here right. <laughs> Right. which is just needful for oh, us needful for us
1: yes. to be reminded uh, of these things yeah in every in every area of a man's work we can be prone to say something along the lines of look what i did yeah that's particularly dangerous in ministry mhm yeah absolutely it's good well, thanks for listening along today. It's been a joy to, to read this together and spend this time with you. And we will see, uh, we'll hear together uh, the conclusion of this chapter next time. Goodbye.